0: Hello, guys. This is Song Story Short Podcast. Get ready to hear a full interview with Ollie Jackson, amazing, amazing musician. Uh, so get ready, um, get some snacks, get prepared for next hour or so, um, and enjoy. Welcome to our show. we located here in Tacoma and Decade Studio, Tacoma, Washington, and we have amazing guests. Uh, phenomenal musician, uh, percussionist, educator, living legend, Ollie Jackson. Thanks thanks to be here, thanks for finding the time to stop, swing by. Hey, my pleasure, Serge. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So I want I want to start with a, a little story how we met. Um, there was a couple months ago the Kareem Kareem candy amazing saxophone player and Kareem candy World Orchestra. yeah, yeah they brought you here for like little tour and that you tour with the two guys um there was a little trio with the Omar Avital and the George Calligan mm-hmm. that performance kind of changed my whole perspective on a lot of stuff so I have a chance to um, record that that performance at the Tebra music and what cool part about it I was like. Four or five feet away, from see you playing, see your footwork, see your like every touch, every dynamic, the way how you control the instrument. I, it was like totally game changer. I never seen any performance that close from like that level caliber of musician to see exactly what's happening. And I was like, I was so fascinated. I forgot that I'm recording, that, that I'm <laughs> recording stuff. And I was like, wow. And everyone who was there and the, and the room was like excited about it. At the same time, the second story would lead to the to question for you the, about Omar. Uh, usually, I, I'm an electric bass player, so I start playing bass, and um, I never kind of liked the sound of the upright. I was like, I couldn't find it. It not really sounds quite right. It's, I don't really hear it in the mix properly. But then when I saw him, like five feet in front of me, and that was not even his bass. So he, that was, I think, Ton bass. And the way how he make that thing sound, the way how he sound, I was like, oh, that's what they're talking about. So my first question before we go to the educational system, I just want to like ask a little bit kind of technical questions about how you like control your instruments, con- like working on your craft, just not b- besides the philosophy of music, just you and your instrument. Like maybe like a, some practice idea where you're still practicing, still working on stuff. Is the any essential techniques what it needs to be to be talked about it so because like the way how you control your instrument I've never seen anyone control any hit so I want you to talk a little bit more about it
1: well well thank you uh, the i think the very first thing that any any one person that plays an instrument needs to take into consideration it's all about sound so most, you know, when you're young, you want to play fast and you want to do, ah, gonna do all this stuff. It's really about sound, like when you speak. Like each person, each human being, they have a unique sound. So it's ultimately about, am I creating the sound that I want to create? That's number one. Um, and how do you get to that? First, generally repetition. If you play a wind instrument, like generally you work on long tones. It's like it's like a baby doesn't just get up and start running a 100 meter sprint. It's it's stages. So if you if you work on very simple things, let's say like if you're on a drum kit and just how you strike the drum. It's like if like a batter's swing or a footballer you know striking the ball mm-hmm. or or passing the ball. So it's the motion and to get the motion, and then all of the degrees of that motion. So uh, very simple things. So the simple things, you build on the simple things, and then obviously they become, I, I guess, you, they're, they're layers, or then you can add other things. But I think the number one thing is really knowing what you want it to sound like. And you, you said something about Omer, and Omer... Like in a in a group setting, it's about balance. So you could hear his sound partly because I'm not playing in a dynamic in a volume where his natural sound can be heard in a very natural context. So that just the the relationship between each instrument's sounds and how you play in a way that's complementary. So that comes with time and developing control of of your sound because ultimately it's just control control of the sound. Uh, and there, let's say for drummers, if you strike a drum and you use, you're using your your wrist. Like I'm, I'm just doing it in a crude way because I don't have anything. But it's the fulcrum of the force of your wrist touching the instrument, and how much, uh, how much pace and weight in the context of when the drumstick touches the skin. And where it touches the skin and what part of the instrument in the drum is going to make it sound like whatever it's going to sound like. And the more times you do that in the different places of the drum, you understand how that instrument will sound when you play it in a certain space and with a certain amount of force. For bass, you pull the strings, there's a point where No matter how hard you pull the strings, the bass is only gonna produce a certain amount of sound. So there's a sweet spot of when you pull the strings Mm -hmm. and the sound of the instrument, where you do it efficiently, uh, it will produce the maximum sound without like really pulling the string super hard. So it's understanding the physics of your instrument um, to create the sound you want. And I think that's primary number one.
0: How nowadays, what's your idea of um you still practice and how you how you working on new ideas right now. How? Yeah. So is there any specific like ways or so what would you recommend to people like when they because you've been doing this for a lot of years, right? And new ideas coming up. As any kind of advice would you give to
1: the people who like how to work on new ideas? I think they're are I mean they're new ideas, but they're based on what you what you know already. So what's new to one person might not be new to someone else. It's very interesting that. New to me could not be new to someone maybe older than me that is done or knows more music. So that's delicate. Like if someone only knows, you know, top 40 songs <laughs> and you play, you know, giant steps to them, that's new. So it's relative. I, I would say the more the more music you learn, the more you see that it's all connected. So what I say is new is when you can synthesize a lot of things and distill them into something that's very succinct and very clear, that's new. So I find myself getting more simple as I get older, not more complicated, more simple. Yeah, because you could say, you know, like this interviews, like, can I say just a few things that make it very clear for someone to understand? So if I'm speaking to an audience of five year olds or an audience of PhDs, can they all understand me the same? So Yeah, like it's like the same thing.
0: Like it's one of um you've done a lot of master classes and all of those stuff. And then it's a lot of audience who like Advanced or a lot of audience who just started. So, for instance, if you're gonna, um, what kind of, um, like a musical advice would you give? Like, would be more generic. So, because for instance, you're not gonna talk about like a polyrhythms and the hard harmony, uh, because not everyone understand that. So, what kind of advice would you give to then all of the different levels will understand? What the most important thing you think people missing or missing nowadays?
1: The feeling. The, the human thing, like we're looking at each other, we're talking, it's not scripted. I'm trying to read you the questions you want to ask. We have our production crew here, they're doing their thing, making sure everything is going. So we're just in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. But the most important thing are the moments. The like moment itself. The moment itself. So, uh, you know, the most important thing for, pe- for, for people is the feeling. Of the moment, sometimes you're afraid, and that's okay. Sometimes people are like they get nervous. They're in front of people, and they want to play, and they get, they, they get choked up or they're nervous. It's like just being simple is beautiful. Okay, at least probably
0: to the next question of the if talk for the more like a bigger like educational system, like for like a academic view, you know, like, uh, because I've seen you criticize a little bit of the academic view of, because everyone's focusing on how to be an amazing performer, just to be a performer, to be advanced performer. And they missing that, like a feeling part of that. So in the whole education system,
1: <laughs> I, well, I, I, I don't know if they are trying to get advanced performers. I, I don't know what that classification is.
0: Like, for instance, where I'm from, uh, I'm from Ukraine, and I've noticed here as well, uh, we have a little different uh, structure, like music school structure, but we have kind of separate music school when you have, like, classes like solfeggio, like theory, like, like music history. But they basically not teach you to play music, like like I said, about how you feel and learn and compose. They, like, 95%, they just, after you finish the school, you're going to be a good performer. They not really teach more of the how to be a composer or, I mean, they have certain classes, but the main idea is to be an amazing performer. You go in front of an audience, you make a good performance. And not not a lot of the, they talk about the like feeling, space, groove. They just, how everything's scripted, you have to play certain ways. So my question basically is, if looking and because you have experience, have all different education systems. You've been in like a high level uh, music school in the world. You also learn from just like amazing musicians on the gig. You learn like from all different ways. So on the, if we talk about academic education, so what do you think they're missing? Where they
1: can improve? What would you change there? To humanity. Humanity? The lack of humanity. You don't learn, art is not about, okay, I learned a bunch of technical things. That's one aspect of it. Because you can play your skills or you know a ton of etudes or you transcribe Charlie Parker solos or, you know, Jaco Pistorius. I mean, you've done that. It doesn't mean that you're a real artist. It means you, those are are part of it. But a real artist is someone that understands a, a, a very large amount of the breadth of whatever their discipline is and they can synthesize themselves through that they're an extension of whatever idiom you know mm-hmm. or their 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 craft their, their their they've invested and you can see it so I think with academia it's become very technical and we lose sight of uh how can I say Just the human element and what makes a good artist beyond just technical things. So it's just like, oh, I can do this. Does that make you (laughs) like, okay, that's cool. You know, I can, um, you know, I know how to write a paragraph correctly. Does it make me a writer? Does it make you want to read what I'm writing? Does it inspire you in a way? Is it information that's uh, how can touch I? you? Yeah, does it touch you or is it compelling? And it's different levels of all of those things. So and that's a that's a piece that doesn't always get talked about. Yeah, it's like somebody can I play a can I play a song or a blues or a pop tune? It's like yeah, you can play it, but what, there are levels of being able to play it. And if you go to a show that inspires you what you quickly understand is is like when someone has something special it transcends the actual technical thing of what they're doing like i'm most moved when i hear someone even like a kid they can't really play or have technique but they have something like in their spirit in their sound that that moves you and you <laughs> is there and so what you want to do is you want to cultivate that aspect you could teach somebody how to read music you could teach somebody how to Play scales. You can teach them arpeggios. They can learn songs, but you can't teach someone how to be human. So, how do you think
0: how 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 we can improve? So, what we can do about it? So, can we educate more teachers about it, or like in general, do you think the uh, do you think it's a like a it's a right way? Like you have a one-on-one classes, or it needs to be the group classes? So, for instance, let me ask you, like maybe it's a little controversial. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, Maybe it's a little kind of philosophic, right. no, phil- but, but, Philosophical for no, instance it, If for you it. would have it, All money in the world You have all leverage in the government If you can create ideal music school
1: What would it look like? i get rid of all social media All phones Damn near Like filter the internet Of all nonsense and BS Then, Then Then the music will come back It will come back. We won't have to, we won't have this conversation. The biggest problem with music, people don't listen to it. And why don't they listen to it? Well, one, my man talked about (laughs) economics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's it's about money. So if you don't pay for something in our society now, it it doesn't have value. Secondly, there's so many things going on. There's a million things going on. So, who has time to sit and listen to an album? I think I posted this on social media because I didn't want to, but my apprentice and some of my students, they're like, man, you got to be on social media because people don't even know you exist. So I, my challenge is this, if you call yourself a musician, a real musician, an artist, there should be one complete album, not like a playlist, like an album of an artist that they, records, like. Like I have to even explain to young people, some young people like what a record is. like they don't even know what a record <laughs> is. Like it's an album that someone produced that has at least 60 minutes of music on it and it's and it's curated to present an artistic statement or story. I said if you're a musician and you're not listening to one album a week, uninterrupted, no cell phone, no messages, no texting, you're not a serious musician. Especially under the age of 21. Because of the, probably the
0: technology was go, because if we go back to, it, is it the value a little bit? Tell me if I'm wrong, just imagine like 200 years ago, Frederick Chopin, composer, coming to town, right? <laughs> if you like not be able to go to show and watch him play, that moment no there was no recording there whatever you saw there was one time in the li- in the lifetime that's the only performance you've seen that's it if you missed it you missed it and then like for instance the first vinyl came out everyone's buy the vinyl not every household has a recorder so you got home nothing important you put in there. all family sits and all of them listen Right now, like, and then it moves, moves. Like nowadays, everyone's listening to music while they cooking, while they're driving the car. Nobody kind of pay attention. No, like, you're right. Nobody finished to listen to the album. They just sometimes not even finish to listen to the song. They just skip, skip, skip. So that part is kind of, I think it's because of the technology. Uh, How about
1: this one? The hell with the music. People can't listen to each other. People can't have a conversation. There are people right now, as we speak, in Tacoma, maybe down the street, they're sitting in the same room and they're texting each other. This is where we are with humanity. So connection, human connection is what is required for humanity's sake. I mean, yes, we're talking about music and music education or just education in general, Mm -hmm. but we're losing a part of what makes us human. That is what is happening. And it's happening faster than we can actually realize. We're all impacted. I'm, I noticed myself impacted. I'm basically, I delete apps off of my phone because it's a way of like, it's like, man, why am I checking the app? How about we just live and be in the moment? Can we talk a little bit more about,
0: you said how about the communication with people? What's the communication between artists and the audience? So how... If there are any, like, not issues, but if there are any moments, then we need to pay attention because one of the scene, one of the performance, one of the moment can be looked from different perspective, from musician, from professional musician, average musician, people who are not really even musician, just music lover. Can you talk a little bit
1: more about it? Whew. That is a very layered perspective or conversation. Musicians at different levels, they play the music that they play and then they present it. Or, you know. Now, there's different levels of musicianship, obviously. Different levels of understanding about the art that you're presenting or the music that you're presenting to an audience. There's different kinds of audiences. So let's say if we just uh like smashing pumpkins or something and we just go out and do like everybody's party and getting torn so it's a different audience and a different different atmosphere and the engagement with the audience is just like party and wow. Right. Yeah. Now, if you're presenting, uh, let's say an R&B performance and you're singing love songs, you know, like Al Green, uh, whatever, for example, yeah. Otis Redding, um, Donny Hathaway, Marvin Gaye, the atmosphere is more inviting in their songs that have lyrics and they have meaning in the lyrics. And your engagement with the audience are songs that penetrate them on a human level. That's why people say oldies and all of that stuff won't go away because the songs speak to you from all generations. They're not like, oh, this is reserved for, like this is old. Like, no, it's good. So that's not even engagement. You're engaging with the audience through the music you play. So whether you can communicate anything to them, the music communicates to them. You don't have to say anything. Now, when it comes to, how could I say? I use this word or moniker, the four-letter word. Starts with J. Jazz. (laughs) Um, People basically just get up there, and they're just soloists and do whatever, and there's no engagement, and it's very difficult or dense sometimes for a Person that has no exposure to the music to come into it to understand what's going on. Do you think the jazz musician left the listeners behind, way behind? On no, the, like not a the not the level? real not the real ones. I mean, you listen to Charles Mingus's music; it speaks to you. He wouldn't have to explain anything. You listen to even Charlie Parker, as and that's or Dizzy Gillespie. Their music speaks to you without. <laughs> they don't have to explain it. It's very accessible. As that's the word accessibility. What makes music accessible? Groove. Like, you know, people that listen to, you know, wow, like hip hop or stuff that was very misogynist, mm-hmm. you know, kind of degrading women and like raunchy or whatever or disrespectful. I'll hear women singing songs. What was a song some years ago? These <laughs> Women were singing a song and I would be looking at them and they singing it. Like singing the lyrics of the song. I was like, why are you singing? That? It's like so disrespectful to women. They said, well, I like the beat. <laughs> so the beat transcends, I mean, disrespectful language, I guess. So if you have a strong beat, strong groove, that's something that will always hold people, like rhythm. Then lyrics probably are the next thing. Like, mm-hmm. what is the song saying? Then after that, maybe the voice. Or a singer and their voice—if their voice they have a really nice voice or unique voice that is delivering the song—then that's probably the next thing. But when you start talking about harmony and chords and uh, or melody, those things in today's world or music listeners' world, those things are secondary. they' so or primary. arrangement is not, or an arrangement or no, orchestration. If, if it's song's not there, it doesn't matter. Like whatever arrangement, there, you're there's gonna put no in beat there? and there's no like catchy hook that's what's required so with jazz saying like what's accessible anytime you have a, a, a very clear rhythm clear melody or sound cohesion repetition then that's generally what we would qualify as good music because I mean if Duke Ellington can say I, I only know two kinds of music you know good and the other kind <laughs> so, if he could say that, that's what it is. And, and generally, great music or great songs, they're very thoughtful, like anything. People are afraid of saying the truth. They'll know the truth, but it's like we've become in this culture and this society where if you say the truth, you know, people don't want to hear that. You're negative, actually, that's the that's the narrative. If I say the truth about something, it's, oh, he's negative or he's mean or it, no matter how nice you say it. I did a video recently on a series that's called On the Records. And the series, I decided to do the series because most critics, I mean, unfortunately, not all of them, but most of them, they're not real practitioners. They're writers that like the music or whatever. They've not really produced any records. They've not played any records. They've not been on tour with any bands. They're just writers that check out music, and they write about it. So, and whatever their taste is, is whatever their taste. It's not, like, holistic. So I said, I want to do a a show that talks about the music, and it's not personal. Like, some some albums that I'll have a reaction to, Mm -hmm. I might know everyone on the recording some some uh recordings i don't know anyone but it's not about any knowing any people it's about the music that's on the recording and we're talking about it from a musical context and i have some i am someone that's been playing music for over 40 something years and for a lot of those years with very serious musicians and artists so i feel like i'm trying to give back with a perspective from a musician that I would say at this point, I know a little bit about music and I've got, I got pushback about something that I said about a recording and I said that it wasn't swinging. Mm-hmm. And so what is swinging? Something that has a pulse and it's groove. It's danceable. The easiest thing that you could say about what is swinging. Does it make you want to get up and dance? Doesn't, doesn't move you, Right. Will not just move you, just move get up you to there. a yeah, move you to a rhythm that that the repetition is infectious. Like you know, you something that's real funky that you go like, man, this is feels so good. Uh, I did a a record um, by Sweets Edison and Ben Webster, and the rhythm section is unbelievably swinging. And so people go like, oh, they listen to music and people play the swing rhythm and they they walk the bass and mm-hmm. you know whatever, and we're like, yeah, we're swinging. And it's like. It's okay, and they look at me like, oh, you're just a hater. And I said, okay, I put on something that's truly, unbelievably swinging. Then they go, oh. <laughs> so you only know what you're exposed to. So I'm trying to bring that spirit of enlightenment or perspective. So I did one on someone else on the record that was not swinging, and I was attacked. I never said that the person was a bad person musician or that they, were, they weren't they were good. That's not at all. They're excellent musicians, but the record was not swinging. And the intention of the format and the music that they were playing, the intention of it was to be swinging, and it was not swinging. I mean, shoot me. But there was a lot of pushback by people like, oh, well, you're so negative. And it was like, all I'm saying is, this is not swinging. That's it. It's not like war, but people... If you go against something that people like, or 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 someone, or a personality, or an image, or or anything that someone likes, and you say, "Hey, this is not or it's negative," this wasn't even personal. This was about music. Then they 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 get very defensive. So this is just where we are in society. Like if someone say, "Oh, you know, Surge." You know, you look better in blue. He's like, oh, he said Serge was ugly, <laughs> or blue, yeah, yeah, blue, yeah, yeah. blue, yeah, yeah, yeah. You? yeah, right. Oh, it's he not, says yeah. he says Serge was a bad person. <laughs> what? How, yeah, how that works, right? Yeah. So, I think that has always existed, but it's magnified because of social media, and people can get on platforms and say whatever they want, and hide behind a platform and just say whatever they want. Without any facts, how would you suggest
0: to like musicians uh, re- take the crit- criticism? It's like, a, do you like grade that? Like, for instance, if um, if I, I play bass tonight, for instance, and then some the random guy who's not a musician said like, search that was bad," or that was not great. I'm like, okay, he's not a musician. Why am I even listening? But if Omar would told me of and offense, he said, yeah, you should work on this, on that, on that. It wasn't great because of that, that. I was like, I would not be offensive. I was like, oh, I can learn that. Or I can learn something from, so how would you suggest to people to, do you need to look at the level of musician to like even pay attention to their criticism
1: or? That is an excellent question. Someone that cannot, that doesn't play at all, Could be 100% correct and say that, hey, this is not happening or swinging because they've made an investment of listening to so much stuff. They might not be able to give you a technical correction. Like exactly explain how it is, right? But they can't, because I grew up in a time where there were listeners of the music that knew all of the great musicians and went to those concerts. They weren't musicians, but they listened to great musicians and they knew the music. I think that's a big part of why the music is not uh how can I say the presentation of the art form of of all just acoustic music is not on a high level because the listeners have changed. The listeners don't demand high quality. It's like if you bought a car and it doesn't start. And like so everybody's making cars that don't start and then just becomes the norm and then so then The level goes down and you're just used to a car not starting. So then people just sit by the driveway. Yeah, yeah. I have a car. Yeah, 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 right. (laughs) So it's, it's this kind of thing. When the level goes down and there's no demand for it to be good, you know, it just won't be good. But that question is very great because someone could actually say, hey, this is not grooving. It's not funky. Have you heard Ohio players? Or have you heard, you know, James Brown, you know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Have, have you heard, you know, average white bear? Yep. Have you heard that? Like, that's funky. I mean, they might not be able to tell you exactly the technical part, of what you did wrong. But they, but, Ghost they could, knows or anything. right. Like, yeah. Whatever they're going to say. Exactly. Now, as the musician, it can help you a little bit. It's like breadcrumbs, but you still have to figure out what it is that you you have to improve. That's, that's also adds to another question. Do musicians want to be challenged to actually really get better? Or do they just want to be told what they want to hear? Like, oh, you sound great, man. Great job. Not, No one wants criticism. And I will tell you this, if you want to be great, you're going to take a lot of criticism. Because that's that's what, that's the path of being excellent. And then the level of the criticism goes up it raises. So, like, maybe it's the guy in your town, like, hey, man, you need to work on your chord chain. Like, you need to learn these songs. You don't know any songs, so you start learning songs. The next level, you you get a tour with a touring band. The next thing is, just like, hey, man, I don't like the voice leading of the songs. Like, you know songs, but hey, man, I, I need more five-to-one resolutions. Or when you walk your bass lines, they need to be more arpeggiated. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah." But it leads from from the opposite. How often you? Sh- how do you think? How often you should criticize other musicians? How often do I? Yeah. Should I? because we mentioned about taking criticism. But if we will take from someone, so someone's criticized us. So when is it appropriate to criticize someone? When it's not. Is that? I want to say. It's like fine line.
1: I don't like the word criticize. I think feedback. Feedback. It's not or perspective, as- because criticism you know, people take it in a negative way. And I'm very critical of myself. So whatever you could tell me, I could, I might say 10 times worse for myself of what I could improve, but you don't want to beat yourself up. You want to take it and try to improve. So how, how often, the question is, how often should you give feedback to a musician? It, de- it depends. If you work with the musician every day, Then probably not so often, but certain big things you have to say, say, hey, the time is rushing. It's not, you know, the time keeps moving up. So you have to address it and then hopefully fix that problem. Yeah. And nobody will take
0: it as like a personal ego. It's like, no, it's just we serve the song. If it's not like if
1: someone rushing, like, okay, let's fix it and move on. That is the normal way. But some people don't want to change or then they feel like you're attacking them and then so it becomes this whole other thing. That makes it more complicated. But then that means the person doesn't want to accept anything to to actually really improve. So for all of us, no one is perfect. We're, we're, We're all human. So no one is perfect, but it's the effort and the work that you're willing to do to improve aspects of your musicianship or your artistry. So... For younger musicians, normally it's technical. But when you get older, older musicians, is more sensitive. So it's easier for me to, to give feedback to a musician that has less experience. It's more difficult to give feedback to a musician that has... I mean, I have peers. Sometimes I have to give feedback. But generally, if they're on a very high level, they make the adjustments themselves. As you move up... There's always little things that you're always trying to improve and work on. So it's not like you ever get there. It's like, you know, you're always working towards something. Yeah, like, it's how like it takes a lifetime to master it, though. Yes, it does.
0: I, I was, uh, before we go to the end of the couple of questions in the end, I also forgot to um, kind of, because uh, you are grew up in a music family, and your kids also play music. I would, I would be... Curious how, as a not as a teacher, as a as a like like academic part of education, as a parent, how the parents, how the musicians, like as a parent, how they need to. Because usually, what I'm noticing, they a lot of musicians who like on a high level, they really really strict to their kids. They just like you need. They they just want way more from 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 the kids. So, do you have any advices how to uh, educate your own your
1: your own child? I'm the complete opposite. I have no expectations for them playing music, and I didn't push my my sons. One, my my older son is actually in the studio with us today. I didn't push music on them, or didn't say you like have, you have to, to do practice this in, like eight hours. I, no, a day. you have to practice whatever it is that you want to do. I do know, <laughs> I mean, it's like whatever it is, but you don't have to be a musician. You don't have to be. So just find your own path. Yes, and ironically, both of my sons are musically inclined. My older son plays guitar, piano, drums, very talented, and he does it because he enjoys it, and he was exposed to a lot of music. Now, I will say this. I believe you should expose your kids to the music or the quality of music that you respect as an artist or musician uh, or as a parent. You should expose them to the highest quality of music and let them
0: decide because you've been exposed and your family, right? your your dad play. It you was, start
1: gigging already when you were like a kid, yeah, yeah, but it was different for me, different time. I actually like to practice. like it was like a a safe place for me. Like I love to practice and work on things and figure stuff out. still do still. Maybe not just playing the drums, but like with music or composition and orchestration and composing and the process of rehearsing ensembles or conducting. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that. I enjoy making people better or giving them feedback to improve what they're doing, especially if they're open to it. Uh, I like that. But for your kids, it's such a personal thing. I don't want to put pressure on them. They already have pressure. Like if somebody's Father is a big banker, or you know, a business person. Mm-hmm. It's pressure on the kid to be like, okay, now you got to be a big, big time business or per- bigger, or to, big, yeah. yeah. Or you're gonna be compared. It's like no, just let them find their, encourage them in whatever they it is that they want to do, and just be uh, supportive. But I wouldn't push music on your kid. It's not. Because at the end of the day, people, many parents have asked me over the years, "It's like, hey, what should I do for my kid? Should I get? I've got this teacher for them, and the parents will be way more into it than the kid." I was like, at the end of the day, the kid has to practice. If they don't practice, it doesn't matter. It <laughs> just, yeah, just <laughs> it will not work, right? Right. I, I have a my younger son is a professional footballer, and he practiced. He loved playing football. He so practiced. nobody needs to tell him, "Hey, hey, you have to go practice for two hours." But no, but he also saw me go practice or work on music for hours and hours and hours and hours. So I think, in a certain way, he did see an example of like, "Hey, I work hard at what I do. I love what I do, and I work hard at it, and it translates to whatever you do. It Doesn't you know? You invest the time, and it it pays you back, just with joy, with joy." Like so, that's it. It's not, you know. Do you have joy in what it is you do? So you've been, uh, you've been playing music with a
0: lot of a lot of different musicians, with a lot of different times and a lot of different cultures. So what is like to work, uh, and what is the similarity, or what is the difference to work with the different genres like jazz, like Wynton Marsalis, and or working something with like a funk. Uh, funk bands, or if you have some project to do the hip hop, so what's the similarity? What is the difference? Um,
1: so what's 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 your view on it? First, that's a very that's a that's an excellent question um, because everyone works in a different way. So music language, uh, there's a musical language in general. However, if you're working with a hip hop artist, it all let's say it's about groove, feel, excuse me, energy, like energy, feel. Uh, and it's it's more in a primitive, like not in a in a negative sense, primitive, but basic foundational things. Energy, groove, weight. Sometimes volume, like energy, you might equate it with like power or volume, um, and then it's like it's it's more static in 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 that context or genre. You're just playing a groove. Yeah, of course, and
0: depend on the artist, right? Exactly. Even the same the same genre it's going to be
1: case to case. Exactly. If you're playing classical music, generally the it's all written, so there's not. Your creativity is based around what is actually on the page and the interpretation of which the conductor or the leader in the ensemble wants, you know, or how they want the music. Um, a groove band, like, say, r and uh, I did some work with Mary J. Blige. I mean, quite a few people. Uh, Joe, George Benson. Yeah, yeah, your list is huge. Uh, um, you play with, like, <laughs> millions of people. Um uh, well, in those settings, it's more about the feel of the music. Uh, I remember uh, speaking of that, there was a there was a spiritual song on a record I did with uh, the great Bobby McFerrin. Uh, Gil Goldstein was the producer. Uh, and it was something very simple about where I was feeling the pocket because it can be the minutia. So if you had a metronome and a click where the mm-hmm. beep is, you might want to feel it right exactly in the center of the beep, or sometimes it might be a little bit behind because you want the feel, but the bass drum might be exactly with the click and the snare might be a little bit behind just to give it a different kind of feel. And this is the minutia of like working with someone like Gil Goldstein, who's brilliant. He's, he's genius. So like all of those things. And at the end of the day, maybe it felt a little bit ahead, but now everyone does this with a computer, but like humans do this. You listen to uh, Stevie Wonder, Superstition. Like when they put that together, Ray Parker Jr. was playing rhythm guitar on that particular project. And he talks a little bit about like where he fit in the pocket. And that's how he really became famous with like his feel. And that's something where James Brown, like feeling, you know. So these are all aspects. Now, you start talking to someone like Winston Marcellus, you have to know a lot of music. So there's lots of styles. Like he uses the entire canon of jazz when he might write a piece. So the piece could be just a simple song like quartet or it could be a or be for symphony orchestra. And all of those things could be in it. So it's like a hybrid of like a classical piece where it's all written. But then it's also written in a style of you where you have to bring an element of your own perspective. And he's very open. So it's like a give and take. Some things are very specific. Some things are at liberty for you to figure out what to do. And like last two, like kind of short questions.
0: Um, if you have a chance to take a lesson from anyone from the whole history, like any musician, any person, who would you choose and why?
1: Maybe Duke Ellington and Billy Strayhorn. Why? Duke Ellington for how to be a band leader or leadership and Billy Strayhorn on arranging. That's a that's a great answer. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> And the last one, it's maybe going to be a little, like, more philosophical. Maybe maybe even sounds a little stupid, but I'm going to ask you anyway.
1: Why do you play music? Love. I play music for love. On many levels. Love of humanity, of just being here and the grace to be able to play music, to share love to other people, to heal. Love for the collective and the brotherhood and sisterhood or fellowship uh, on the bandstand to create something together to 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 share um, and the love to leave something for the next people and the con- to continue. Thank you so much. Thank you to find the time. Oh, my pleasure, Serge. Thank you.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening the full episode. Um, Next one coming really, really soon. So stay tuned and um, see you soon. Bye.